This is episode number 10, how to become a leader with former financial services business owner turned executive leadership coach, Dory ben Chenot. Welcome to the Unconventionalist podcast. My name is Mark Roost, former overweight corporate dropout turned award-winning men's health activist, published author, social entrepreneur, certified life coach. In each episode, I bring you an inspiring story or message to help you turn ideas into action so you can go out and do something meaningful. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the show begin. Welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in today. If this is your first time with me, a warm welcome to you. And if you've listened to the previous episodes, then you're officially made of awesome. You'll be able to find all the show notes of today's episode over at www.marklarouse.com forward slash 10. In the meantime, please do me a favor and make sure to head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. And if you're feeling extra special today, then please leave me a review. It really helps a ton. And if you've been enjoying the show so far, it's the best way you can show your appreciation. And you'll totally make my day too. You can connect with me over on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. You can find me under Mark Roost. And today's episode couldn't be better timed, as we're going to talk about what it really means to be a leader today. It couldn't come a better time because I'm recording this episode with a heavy heart, as I've just got back from Paris following the tragic events that took place on the 13th of November 2015. My childhood friend Naomi, who's like a sister to me, along with my colleague Eva and I, we're all having dinner in the 11e arrondissement with other people on Friday night. As Ether and I got up to settle the bill, the waiter told us that there had been terrorist attacks at the Stade de France and that there's a shooting taking place down the road. It turns out we were 300 meters away from Rue Charonne where 19 people lost their lives. According to BBC News, 128 people lost their lives that night in what turned out to be the worst attacks on French soil since the Second World War. Strange, just 24 hours before, I had posted on my Facebook page a photo and link to me being on Le Petit Journal, the French equivalent to The Daily Show, where hundreds of my friends cheered me on. And suddenly, here I was, posting a photo on Facebook again, except this time, a photo of the restaurant's front door iron curtain that was separating us from the rest of the world, to let my friends and family know that we were safe. Life really is full of, of paradox. Thankfully, we eventually made it back to our hotel safe and sound around 2 a.m. after having spent roughly six hours locked in the restaurant. Eva and I ended up walking by Rue Charonne, and what we saw was, was intense, to say the least. Driving through Paris back to our hotel was like being in a scene of a sci-fi movie. It was completely surreal. Today's episode isn't about Friday's event, though. Well, I guess it is in a way. Yet it's important to remember that life is really too short. Aurélie, the girl who works at a PR agency in France, was shot six times and lost two of her friends. She miraculously made it out alive and she's fighting like a lion in hospital as we speak. My heart goes out to her and I think it's safe to say that we can all wish her a safe recovery. Life really is short. It could have been any one of us that night, but it wasn't. And for that I'm truly grateful and I do count my blessings. Life's too short, it really is. So please do me a favour and don't wait. If you've been listening to the show, then you'll know that I'm the first to advocate to do something, anything. So please, don't wait. Go out and do something meaningful to you right now. It doesn't have to be epic. It just has to be something you've been putting off for a while. Because there's nothing like now. 
My thoughts and prayers go out to all those affected by last week's events. Today's guest is a very special man. Dory ben Shanok has been in the training and development field for the last 15 years and specializes in the area of leadership development, executive presence, interpersonal communication skills, and emotional intelligence. His journey has included extensive experience as a top sales producer and business owner in the financial services industry in North America before transitioning to coaching, leadership development, and corporate training programs, design and delivery, taking his work around the world. Today, Dory is a certified behavioral coach and a member of Marshall Goldsmith PhD's Alliance for Strategic Leadership Group. He has earned the International Coaching Federation Professional Certified Coach Certification, as well as the Coach Training Institute designation of Certified Professional Coactive Coach. In our interview, we talked about the key to finding your purpose, why a job title doesn't make you a leader, the unexplored art and science of success, why most coaches fail, why leadership is the flavor of the decade, why leaving the nest can lead you to meeting the woman of your dreams, and what it's like working as a security detail for Elizabeth Taylor. I give you Dory Ben Shanah. Dory, great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. It's a pleasure. So where am I finding you today? Mm. I'm at my state-of-the-art office um, in Ramata Sharon, which is about 30 minutes, depending on traffic, north of Tel Aviv. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining on the show. Um, Dory, I wanted to jump uh, straight into it with you because I'm really excited to get you on the show. And there's a few things I want to talk about, including, of course, um, leadership. Uh, but before I get into that, um, you've got a really interesting background because mm-hmm. you, haven't, you haven't always been into training and facilitating into coaching, right? You, you used to be in, in financial services. Is that right? Oh, yes. And before that, even other things as well. Ooh. So how ah. about you tell us a bit more about yourself for people who, who have no idea who you are? Okay. Well, um, actually, my, my parents were diplomats. So I was born in New York and grew up the first few years of my life over there. And then uh, they returned back to Israel. And then in 66, when I was just a, a wee lad, they spent a few years in London. So uh, there you go. And, and my dad took me to Highbury to see Arsenal play and <laughs> big, big Gunners fan. My, and, um, my, brother would, my brother would have liked your dad. He's a, he's a massive Gunners fan. So okay. good, good. Well, I, I knew there was some, something I liked about you. <laughs> But in Israel, actually, I grew up on a kibbutz. Uh, I don't know if, if you're familiar with that, but it's kind of like a, mm, a commune, but nothing like the or hippie one. It's actually, you know, pretty substantial, been around for about 100 years or so, and based on what used to be sort of social democratic ideals and um, that old saying, it, it takes a village to raise a child. So it, it was very communal mm. and and agricultural, and I was very fortunate to, to grow up in that place. And um, and then, like everyone in, in Israel at age 18 or so, I, I went to the army. And I was, uh, actually for three years or so, I was a paratrooper. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, uh, let's not get into politics, thank God. But <laughs> those times, uh, things were a little clearer. And, um, you know, I was I was a patriot and wanted to serve my country the best I could, and so I uh, I volunteered to to the airborne unit. And uh, yeah, you learn actually. You asked about leadership. You learn a lot about leadership, both good leadership and crappy leadership. I was, I, I, was about, I was about to ask. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 
I'm guessing the army must have been. So this was your first kind of experience um, right. of like, I want to say like not institutionalized leadership, but was that kind of one of the, the big experiences that shaped you maybe what you are today or, or how, how did that kind of affect what, what you are oh, today? I, I, absolutely. I mean, first of all, you, you just, you learn to appreciate things that most of us take for granted, just like, like life itself and the See? comfort of free choice and coming and going as you please. And when, when you don't have that, then you realize, oh my God, this, you know, I, this is something I really value. But, but as far as leadership, I mean, you see a, a lot of uh, different types of leadership. And there's a type of leadership that's more about, okay, folks, charge. And usually that person who says charge, let's say the, the officer, is sitting up on a comfy hilltop. <laughs> right. And the troops charge, but not necessarily that leader, versus the... the the leaders that say after me and when you are in the trenches they're there with you and they 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 truly walk they talk and not just do as i say but also do as i do and right and and, and that must obviously be injuring a lot of trust and there must be like a kind of a um a sort of a trust person that must be built around those kind of leaders as opposed to the sort of predefined leaders and and sometimes what I find in these kind of situations is that leaders that arise aren't necessarily the, the pointed out leaders, as you said, like the person in the office. It could be someone that's next to you who's the same rank as you, but it's taken yep. off that position. Absolutely. And it's a really good point, Mark, because when the, when the shit hits the, hits the fan, is it okay to use slang? Oh, oh, absolutely. This is, a, this, is, this is an R-rated show, so you can okay. uh, go, go freely. Then, then you really know who who's showing up and and who isn't, and and you're absolutely right. Sometimes in that moment, for various reasons, you know, the actual rank officer is not available, or, 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 or I don't know, something happened to them, or they're just not showing up. So someone else needs to step up up into that. And um, it's one thing to to say the right thing and even do the right things when everything is is hunky dory and everything is is okay, but when when it's it's stressful, like really stressful, then, then you really see what people are made out of. Mm. And and so you you volunteered to get in the army, and how long were you there for then? Well, well, just 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 a tweak there. The the army in Israel is a draft. It's a, oh, it's right. a volunteer, like like maybe in the states. But you you if you want to be in the airborne, you need to volunteer for sorry, that. Yeah. Okay. So that's right. Okay. Yeah. So, you, so you were dropped in the army, and then you volunteered to get into the airborne. So how yeah. how long were you there for then? Three years. Three years. And what happened? Did you get a change of mind? Were you injured? Were you thinking this? this no, uh, three, three years is the standard length of time uh, uh, for, for, for the military. And so after you finish the, the, the three-year period, unless you want to sign up to be an officer, and then you need to add in a, a, an additional couple of years, which I didn't want to do, I, um, you know, I, I was honorably, honorably released in three years. Sure. Like, yeah. Okay, so then what? So you're there, you've just, you've just finished your, uh, you know, your time in the army, and, and are you thinking, and, okay, I want to stay in Israel, I want to go back to... A- uh, well, actually, no, then at that point I, wa- I wanted to get as further away from Israel as I could, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I, I went to Australia, which is... Oh, wow, okay. Geographically <laughs> is exactly the other side of, of Earth, yeah. and uh, yeah, I spent six months in Australia, down under. Uh, I think it took me that long just to figure out what the heck they were saying. They're, I couldn't understand their accent. <laughs> and then I spent another six months in New Zealand. So I thought, okay, I'd go see the world in a year. I was pretty naive. And then in, in a year, I was only in New Zealand and Australia. And I, and I loved it. 
And then I decided I'm not ready to to go back home and sort of become Be, and, and become grown up and, and yes, yeah. you know, and that, that kind of responsible stuff. So I spent another uh, year and a half traveling throughout Southeast Asia. I went to Nepal. I I, I reached the base camp of the Everest and uh, studied wow. Tibetan Buddhism and went to Burma and now it's called Miramar and Thailand got into all sorts of adventures and including meeting this beautiful girl who eventually I married and she's no way. my wife. <laughs> yeah. That can't do. Yeah. That, well, there yeah. you go. That just goes to show that sometimes you need to leave the nest to go out there and explore the world and who knows what you'll find. I mean, the, the one thing I will say about that period traveling, especially in, in the East, was until that point, you know, like most places, you know, you meet someone and they ask you, well, what, what, what do you do? What kind of job do you do? And over there, they would ask you questions like, well, what's your religion or what do, what do you believe in? You know, right. which, you know, and kind of like, what are you into? Like, what do you, you know, what, yeah, yeah, what well, do you stand for? You know, What's, what's your spiritual her- heritage? And I, I never thought about those things. So it was the first time ever in my life that I realized there's a distinction between religion and spirituality. Mm. And for some reason, religion never really spoke to me, but spirituality connected with me in a, in a really yeah. level. So I can, I can, yeah, I can, I can really resonate with that. Um, I, was, I was brought up as a, a sort of um, a Christian Anglican and there was always this, this big ritual and community around religion, which I, which I appreciated, but I never really felt that kind of calling to the, to the, mm-hmm. to the religion itself, but the spirituality aspect really does. Yeah. This kind of um, high level that we will get connected to somehow, but okay, great. I want to, I, I could get easily distracted. So I want to come back. So you go travel <laughs> around, you meet your now wife, but that back then um, yeah. girl that you just met, um, what then? So, so do you do you go okay? Now I've done this this world travel. I've gone around and seen the world, Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand. Um, now it's time for me to get a job. Exactly, it's time for me to get serious and you know have a, have a life. Um, and so I, I went back home for a bit. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to stay in Israel for for, for obvious reasons. The war was still going on, and I've I, I, I've done my time. I've I served my country, and I I wanted to invest in myself. So having a dual citizenship, because if you remember, I was born in the States, sure. uh, we moved to California. Uh, my wife, uh, girlfriend at the time, wanted to study acupuncture, mm-hmm. and I just said, okay, let's go to the States, you know, a new adventure. And in all honesty, you know, when we moved to L.A., uh, the first couple of years were, were really challenging for me, Mark, because... You know, okay, a new new place, new adventure, but LA is not a place that you just come to hang out or mm. kind of explore. You you unless you come there with a pretty clear idea about why you're there, then it it could be a pretty uh, overwhelming and mm, somewhat depressive place. And so mm. I, I I spent this time sort of kind of really searching for okay, what do I want to do with my life? And I, I was a little lost because I um, there was part of me that was really taken to this spiritual path and personal development and making a difference. But I had this kind of limiting belief that okay, if, and sorry to if, sorry, sorry to interrupt that, Dory. Was was this predominantly 
as a result of traveling through Southeast Asia that you're saying when you're discovering sort of Tibetan cultures uh, and people asking you about what you're into, what you spiritual, what kind of religion is that? Is that kind of shaped your kind of path? Yes, of, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that was that was a seed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was into. I didn't mention that I was into yoga and meditation mm. and. Yeah, I, I think it just sparked stuff that was always in me. I, I just n never gave it permission. So, so the time in the Far East, you know, gave it a voice, and and um, and I, I was really intrigued by it. But the more kind of quote unquote practical side of me said, "Well, you know, keep on dreaming. You know, uh, welcome to La La Land. You, you you'll never make a living out sure, of that." Sure. Sure. You know, and we're talking about, you know, the, 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 the mid-80s, well, around 86 or 87. And it wasn't like yoga is today where every street corner there's a yoga studio and it's, it's the in thing now, yoga. It was, you know, like, okay, you can kind of right. like Hare Krishna, folks. Is that right? Okay. And, and then the other part of me, which is kind of practical and, as, and into business and very sort of kind of hands-on said okay go go into into business and into making money and then there was a limiting belief in that that you know by doing so i'm gonna sell my soul to the devil and and kind of be a sellout so i i, I was stuck for a while right and i did some odd jobs uh coming from the military background i I worked a little bit in the uh, personal security industry in, in LA and worked <laughs> no with, with some Hollywood folks. Yes, I did. I was. Were you like the, you were like a bodyguard? Yes, I was. In fact, it was part of a team that provided security services for the late great Elizabeth Taylor. Wow, great Hollywood star and a, a couple others. You know, and uh, it's it's more kind of like trivia. I can't say that it was anything particularly exciting. About that. I think it's, it's still, it still sounds like a great dinner party conversation. Of, uh, <laughs> oh, I used to be in the uh, personal, uh, you know, security guard yeah. of uh, Elizabeth yeah. Taylor. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're doing the security jobs. You're kind of a bit overwhelmed by California. You're kind of like, there's this part of me that wants to make money, and this part of me that wants to develop myself into what I like. So how does that then lead you to the financial service? So my girlfriend was starting to get a little impatient with me, as in, you know, I think women in general are, are, are much more practical and kind of sort of real in some ways than, than, than most men, at least me. And I, I was a bit of a dreamer. So she said, listen, get your life together and do something. You know, we, 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 you know, we live in L.A., so get real. Which is funny because L.A. is often associated as not being that real. So it's like the paradox well, of get, get real in L.A. And maybe that's just a, that's an assumption, right? Well, it, it's it's true to some degree, but the rent is very real, and the and and the bills are very real, and right, right. you know you need to have a car there, and that's very real. So, <laughs> um, I I knew this lady who was in this financial planning industry, and she she said, you know what? Why don't you you, you give it a try? It's you're helping people. Uh, it's 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 a decent living. And and the particular uh, niche that I that she was involved with and, and and eventually got me into was working with the nonprofit sector, specifically educators, teachers. And in in the United States, they have certain sort of tax benefits, or, you know, tax shelters for geared for for educators. And I I went into that eventually. I didn't have anything else to do. 
And um, my dad was a teacher, so I, I had this kind of soft spot in my heart towards teachers. And I didn't feel like, well, I'm selling you know, used cars or dishwashers. It's sure. actually helping them save enough money so that at a decent age they can retire with, with, a, with a good income and, and have enough money to eventually own their home. So it, it, it felt something that resonated with my values and, and, and they really appreciated that. Uh, and deep down inside, I always knew this, this job was, was an in, a, a means to an end. Sure. It, it wasn't really what my, my life's purpose was about. But I just didn't know what my purpose was. Right. So I needed to make a living. There were some good things about this job. I was independent. Uh, it allowed me to... I mean, there was no ceiling as far as the income. It, it all depended on how hard you work and how sure. effective you were. And, and, and that I liked. Mm. Right, the sort of possibilities. And, yeah. and so you're in California, mm-hmm. which, is, which is where a lot of the kind of, quote-unquote, coaching and yes, development, self-development kind of industry really sparks from. Um, and then somehow you must have ended up in some workshop or or doing some kind of course, and you must have gone, hey, maybe like this is something I want to do, or something that's, that's kind of exciting my spirit. Well, interesting you should ask, because it's, it's really amazing how sometimes in life you end up doing something that you actually don't really want to do. It's, well, it's not really what I was made to do, but in a sideway manner, that leads you to what you, you're meant to do. And, and what I mean mm-hmm. by that is that uh, yes, I, I, I went through certain um, trainings and I had to get, you know, attain certain licenses to, to market and sell and, and offer financial services, but it was very technical. It was very, uh, you know, about the doing and, and you know, about, about, the law about the and making, yeah, making sure that you're, yeah. Yes, and, and, and all the kind of rules and regulations, and, and, and these are important. And w- what I... What I never got trained at, officially at least, is, in, is what I call the art and science of, 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 of success, you know, about mm. communication, interpersonal communication, and, and setting goals, and motivation, and inspiring people. And um, I realized, you know, because LA, it's such a melting pot, you know, and I'd go to one a potential client and be like, we are talking the same language. <laughs> And the same day I would talk, I, I would meet with another potential client and be like, he or she's talking Chinese and I'm talking Arabic, you know, and like, and I, I'd be fascinated. Why is it that, you know, I, there's this gap mm. and, and that brought me into learning communication and specifically neurolinguistic programming, NLP. And in ba- basically what I did, Mark, is that I started to invest in my own personal development Strictly for, for, for selfish reason, as in sure. how to become better in my business. Right. How to become better at, at reading people and... Better understand people, better understand, understand what they want. Them. Yeah, yeah. And what I realized is that the more I invested in myself, the more substantial, the more, you know, the, the results I was creating. So it, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to realize, oh my God, this this. This stuff actually works. Yeah. And, and I became more and more into that. And what I realized actually quite quickly is that 
I love the atmosphere, the energy, and how, how I felt during those trainings or during those studies, and that it resonated for something really deep in me, and I was, I was good at it. In other mm-hmm. words, you know, there's, when, when you find a thing that you're meant to do, it speaks to you in so many levels because there's, a, there's an innate talent there. You love it. It's, it's just, you know, people are telling you, oh, my God, I'm, you know, this is really great. <laughs> so so, you, so you, you're, you're now there. You're getting excited. You're, you're yeah. loving this kind of work. And did you have to have that conversation with your, with your now wife, then girlfriend, saying, hey, I think I'm, I think I'm about maybe stopping this financial service uh, which is which is I'm making us that maybe bringing us some money and helping us deal with the reality of bills. And I'm thinking about going to do this on on a more full time. Was there like a bit of a transition period where you kind of tested the water with coaching and development before you you jumped? It was definitely a transition, Mark. Mm. Um, at that time, I already had two kids. Okay, and a mortgage, and uh, and and I had a successful business. And I was what in in, in my forties, and so it's not like. Okay, yeah, great. You know, let's change. You know, you, sure. you know, as they say in the Middle East, you know, uh, trust in Allah, but but tie your camel. You know, don't don't be stupid. So, <laughs> um, I I realized, okay, something big is changing within me. I can't say I was like, okay, here's the plan. Here's what, what sure. I do. But sure. I I started noticing that my heart was in this new field and moving rapidly away from the financial services Mm. and then actually some financial companies or other salespeople started asking me what what, what are you putting in your tea you know we want some of that too you know and and could you come and kind of teach us or share with us some some of uh, the methodologies that you've been using uh you know simply for, for for businesses and and sales and stuff like that. And I, I would say, sure. Yeah, great. You know, and, um, I, I found that I really enjoyed that kind of sharing with others, but I it was more like, you know, I'm a good guy you know, I like to help, you know, people. I never thought, wow, this, this is an actual profession. Remember this was mm. no one heard of coaching and, and that it was either therapy or consulting and stuff like that. But then I came across, uh, I think, a, a Time article magazine. Actually, someone handed it over to me and said, you know, there is this new profession we just heard of, and I think that you, could, you, you were made to do that, and, and that was coaching. Hmm. And then I, 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 heard about, uh, I heard about it, and I reached out to different schools. Uh, the Coaches Training Institute was one of them, and I, I really liked their response in, in how they explain what they do. And I flew up to San Francisco. Uh, it's, that's where they held it. So, the so, so, so to, am, I, am I correct to say, is this the time where you were, you were actually um, almost asking the schools why you should go there? Is this, yes. Yeah, yeah, is that, as opposed to kind of like, hey, I, I'd love to come and do it. It's more like, why should, I, why should I choose your school over another school to come and spend my exactly. money and uh, time with you? Yeah, being, being in sales and kind of entrepreneur, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it the whole way. I'm going to, you know, plunk down, a, you know, my, my hard-earned money, and, and I'm going to do it. So sure. before I commit, I, you know, there was top three schools, um, and I sent them each an email, you know, v- very polite and respectful, saying I'm, I'm going to do the, the, your program. I, I need to know 
what is special about your program and kind of like why should I why should I, I do your program versus someone else's? Mm. And, what, and, and, what I, and what I really love, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what I really love about that is that um, I often say when, when I used to, to speak with people about, you know, looking for a job when they're going for job interviews, I always try, used to try and remind me that you're also going to be trading your time and your energy yes. and your effort. So don't be shy to actually ask, yes. you know, why is it that this should be the company for you and why is it that you should be spending that time? And I think if you change that attitude, something shifts in the dynamic of the relationship between right. I, you know, I am grateful for you giving me this opportunity versus we are both winning in this, in this trade-off. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's brilliant, Mark. Uh, in fact, I, I tell that to, to, to new coaches as mm. well. You know, you know, there's this thing, you know, when a, a sample coaching session, when the, the client, potential client is sampling you as a coach, mm. true, they want to see that, that you're a good for, fit for them. But it's also important to realize as a coach that you are sampling them. Sure. Do, do you want them as, as, as a client? Are they the right client for you? Um, yeah, and, no, um, Absolutely, and sorry, just to get you back on track. So you were saying about how you were sampling, and then you basically you enjoyed the response that CTI gave to your email of kind of like being a bit cheek and tongue around. Okay, why should I be spending my time more with you guys? Which, shockingly, at least to me, they were the only school that answered. <laughs> you know, the the other two never bothered to answer. So the fact that they answered was already okay. You know, yeah, that's a no brainer. Yeah. But not only did they answer. To their credit, uh, Karen Kimsey House, uh, one of the three founders of the organization, wrote me a response herself, and mm. which was authentic, real. Uh, it wasn't kind of salesy and trying to sort of, in, in you know, like sell them. You know, she, it was just here's what we do, here's what we're about, here's what we believe in. Um, you know, if you're interested, we'd, we'd love to have you, and it's your choice. Right. And yeah, the, the, the rest is history. Yeah, as I say, so, so fast forward to 2000. So this was what year? This was um, this was around two thousand and one. Two thousand and one, right? Okay, so fourteen years later, we're now in two thousand fifteen. What do you say to people now when they say, "Dory, what do you do?" Well, I I have to say I have to share something that that happened before that. So I did the training, uh, I got certified. I was trying to I, I was seriously dabbling in the coaching, right. but I was still running my a financial planning uh, okay. company, and I knew that I, I was sort of like ninety mm, percent there, but there was still that ten percent that I was mm, still kind of having my sort of safety net in, in in the other business. The practical brain, right? Yeah, exactly. And then CTI, Coaches Training Institute, said, "You know, we're looking to expand into the Middle East, into Israel, into." Mm. And, and UK, and then this opportunity came to to bring all this over here, and and I knew it was needed, and that's when I got both extremely excited. Oh my God, I can take this and bring this to a part of the world where it's it's not like California that you know there's a lot of coaches, but at that time no one knew about that. But my practical, logical mind said, "Are you crazy?" You know, it's, it's not by like moving to Canada or Switzerland or Australia, it's Israel, you know, it's kind mm. of crazy here. And um, I was working at the time with a coach, Elaine Kuzal, who unfortunately passed away, and this is part of the story. When I started coaching with her, 
she was already in a very advanced stages of, of, of leukemia. Mm. And uh, she, was, she was really, really sick. And she was sort of supporting me and, and giving me the space to really look at this huge decision of whether and not only should I sell my business, but move from California to Israel uh, with a wife and, and two kids and move from our beautiful home in Venice into mm. this unknown. And, um, and, and I was flip-flopping, yes, no, right, wrong, what should I do? I, I mean, I was stuck. I was terrified. Sure. And this was going on for a few months. And, and she, she was very not attached to my decision, as long as it came from, 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 from a true, authentic place. But one day she said, when I once again, I'm like, I don't know what I should do. And she said, stop. Let's talk about what's, what's going on with me. And she said, you know, something that I knew, but we never talked about is that what she said in those words, I'm, I'm dying. Mm. I only have a few more weeks to, to live. And, you know, it's part of me knew, knew all this, but naming it like that was just like, I mean, I still have sort of goosebumps, you know, just, just remembering that conversation. And, um, and she didn't feel sorry about herself. It wasn't like, uh, you know, sort of, oh, poor me. She was just like saying that this is what's real. Sure. And then she continued, Mark, and she said, uh, I've got a few more weeks to live, maybe, maybe uh, a, a couple of months. And I only have enough energy and, 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 and vitality to coach two or three people just because I love coaching. And so the, the three people that I'm coaching right now need to be people who are really committed 100% to go for it in their lives, in whatever way that might look for them. Mm. And, and you're one of those three people. Now, you've, we've talked every which way under the sun about your move, and there's no more to discuss. And you, you need to choose. You need to choose, are you moving or are you staying here in, in America? And, 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 and whatever you choose, I'll be 100% behind you. But you've got to choose. But you have to choose. Mm. And if you won't choose or you can't choose, this is our last coaching session. We're done. Mm. Wow. Talk about calling you forth. <laughs> this is it. You know, and it was just like a, a spear of truth right to my heart. Mm. And, and, of course, I, I knew in my heart what I needed to do. Right. Wow, that's, 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 yeah. that's, yeah, that's a beautiful story. And it's, um, you know, it just, it just shows, you know, where, where from a place of, uh, I guess, fierce courage and, and tough love, you know, yeah. what, 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 can, what can happen. And so, so after that, the whole kind of chatter of like, okay, all this is noise and bullshit. I, yeah. know, I know what I need to do. You move, you move back to the Middle East, and yep. uh, and then yeah, and then and then and then the rest is history, as you said. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, I'm conscious of the time, and there's a few topics I really want to cover mm-hmm. uh, with us. So one of them is, um, first of all, I'm really interested in hearing, like, in a nutshell, what do you say? Because I think what do you do is one of those questions that triggers so many people in a panic when it comes down to the coaching um, business, and when you're in that kind of um, industry. So I'm always curious to hear how. Um, I want to put successful coaches or, or people who've been in the, in the industry for quite some time. Uh, how do you answer that question? And again, what's the actual question? 
Oh, sorry. What do you do <laughs> when someone asks you, what do you do? What do I do? Okay. Um, well, I mean, if, if, if they don't know anything about coaching, um, I actually tell them, you know, I, I, I coach and I help people get from where they are to where they want to go. You, you see, because if people don't know what coaching is, and there's less and less of that, you know, you, you have to kind of train them a bit of what it is and give them some examples. And in my experience, Mark, most of them, nearly all of them say, wow, that, that's cool. That sounds like a, like a great thing. Mm. And, um, and, and they, I, I know they, they mean that, you know, because all of us, or most of us, you know, have dreams and have aspirations. And, sure. and, and, and what I, I tell them also is, is, is this great quote by um, Tim Galloway, the, the, the author of uh, The Inner Game of Tennis. You know, and he said, um, success equals potential minus self-interference. <laughs> yeah. And then I say, you know, and, and my focus with most people is like, well, how, how do you get in your own way? How do we eliminate or at least reduce that self-interference so that you, you manifest, you know, and, and, and really connect with all of your potential in service of your success? Mm. And, um, yeah, so pretty, pretty straightforward. Give them an example in context. And, and yeah. So quick, quick question about coaching. I want to move to leadership. But why do you think so many people struggle as coaches? Mm. You mean uh, uh, business-wise? Yeah, yeah, especially business-wise, because one of the things that I've noticed, for, uh, so coming also from a business background, and, and uh, you know, I've, I've, I've really noticed that people can have an inept talent for coaching and, and have a calling for coaching, and you know, they're great coaches, and they've got this great yearning for, for helping and, and being of service and, and, and etc. But when it comes down to making a living out of it or actually um, being able to sustain their lives from it, there's this massive gap and there's this big struggle and I'm, and I'm keen to hear like, what do you, you know, what would, what would, what, if you had to have a guess, even if it's like, a, you know, out of the blue, but what do you think that is? Uh, I, I think you, you kind of named it, you know, you could be the best coach in the world, you know, so many skills and talents and intuition and, and all of that, but it's a business. At the end of the day, you must know how are you going to generate enough clients what is your niche? What is your USP? In many ways, like like what I ask the coaching schools, why should a potential client have you as their coach? Mm. What's what makes you special? So that there's a way to both. You need to know how to communicate that, and then market those services, and also at the same time, what is your coaching specialty? Whether it be a niche. Or, or um, you know, like executive coaching, or or ADD, or or life coaching, or whatever that might be, and really own that. I, mm. I know I've experienced a lot of coaches are so um, reluctant, intimidated, reluctant. Yeah, that's mm. a better word to commit to uh, a niche or a focus area, and mm. it's a bit like a restaurant. You know, when 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 you want to go with your girlfriend to, to a restaurant, you know, you say, okay, should we have Italian? Should we have uh, Thai? Should we have, uh, w- you know, whatever, a burger? It, it, you'll never find a restaurant that say, okay, we do everything. You want a burger? You want Italian? You know, otherwise it's probably not a very good restaurant. So right. it's the same with most businesses. You know, what's your specialty? 
and and then if you don't have some some business or or um, entrepreneurial background, then invest in that. It's as important as your coach training. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that, and and I, I I forgot who said this, but they were explaining that niche actually comes from the old French word that oh. it's a hole in the wall, and when you put the, when you used to put the candle, it used to be it used to be to share the most light in the room, and so the small little hole in the wall with a small little candle actually shattered the most light around around the room, and that's where niching comes from, and yeah. it actually doesn't restrict yourself, but it actually enables you to position yourself, and and the way that I also explain to it is like if you if you break your knee, are you gonna oh. go, are you gonna see a general doctor, or are you gonna go and see a knee specialist? Exactly, and, and and yeah, no, I love that. Um, let's. I want to. I want to. I want to touch leadership before we before we wrap the call because this, that's how we met. We met yeah. the CTI leadership course, um, and leadership is such a fascinating topic. Um, and we could probably have an entire podcast called just just on leadership. And we may very well get you back on the show and just and mm. just talk about that in greater detail. But what what makes a good leader for you, or what what do you see of patterns that make an effective leader? Mm. Simple question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, last, I, 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 there's probably going to, I wouldn't exaggerate, like a million books about leadership. It's, a, it's the flavor of, of the month or maybe the, the decade. I don't know. I mean, leadership mm. is the in thing now. And, you know, what is it? And you're right. We could probably spend hours like, well, what is leadership? But one criteria that, that I've, I've I work with is that leadership is about creating the conditions for success. And if you think about the conditions of success and you divide that into three C's, you know, the first C is for clarity. So where are we going and, and why? What's, what's our purpose? What's, what's the vision? What's the strategy? What do we need to do to get there? Mm. And, you would be amazed in how many organizations or businesses or countries the whole kind of clarity piece is missing. We don't know where we're going or, or maybe the leader thinks that, that, that it's clear, but actually people themselves, I don't know. Sure. So they don't invest enough time in actually bringing out that message of where we're going. So everyone is aligned around that. So clarity. The next C under the conditions of success is climate or culture. Mm. What is the climate and culture, both the soft culture and the hard culture, that we need to build in this organization to get to where we want to go? Um, if you study great teams, you know, there's always those two elements, productivity and positivity. So positivity is that whole thing around the culture, uh, how we communicate and, 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 and what kind of, um, camaraderie is there here? So, so culture. And the last, of course, is competencies. Mm. So what are the competencies that are needed uh, in this organization or team to create the culture and to, to achieve our goals? And, and, and a good leader models those things, as I said, the first and, and, and communicates that and, and walks the talk as far as the culture um, and uh, there's a lot more I can say about sure. that. Yeah, and, and, and do you think, do you think uh, are, are leaders born or made? Well, luckily, I believe that they're made. Mm. Yeah. That you can, you can sort of step into it and you can sort of yeah. pull forth the leadership. Mm. I think that, that, that hard work and commitment will beat talent with, with, with no work any day of the week. Yeah. 
Do you have any books, any favorite books about leadership that you can recommend um, people listening to this show? Um, oh my God. <laughs> just to put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, there, there, there are so many. Um, well, um, maybe books that spoke to you. Um, the, the first one I would say is, well, it's, it's just came out now and I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm plugging it, but you know, I, I strongly believe in it. The, the coactive leadership book, which mm-hmm. really goes, uh, through the, the, the model that, that we're covering in, in, in our own leadership program. And I think it's, 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 it's both simple and clear and at the same time, very pragmatic, mm-hmm. um, then there are uh, a couple of books uh, that I could recommend. Uh, first, Break All the Rules by Marcus Backingham. Mm-hmm. Very practical. And um, he's done a, a ton of research through the Gallup organization around the best practices of leadership. Then there is a book that I, for some reason, can't remember. It's in something, uh, Leadership from the Inside Out. Mm. Okay. What I'll do is I'll, I'll have all these um, links in the show notes so that people can go and find them as well. Um, yeah. Dory, we're coming to the end of the conversation. I've, I've always asked a few, a few questions to my guests. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is, what does being unconventional mean to you? In this day and age, being authentic, being real. Mm. I like that. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a concise <laughs> I like that one. That's good. Now, um, if this this gets a little bit dark, um, but it's, mm. it's for a good purpose. But if tomorrow was your last day, <laughs> if, if tomorrow was your last day, and everything that you'd ever written, everything that you'd ever produced um, disappeared, and you could only leave um, three truths behind, something that for you is truer than true, and that you would want um, your kids and maybe the, the people to know about what you've learned and, and what you feel is true, what would those three truths be? Mm. Wow. Mm. Um, okay, it, it, it might sound, sound corny or whatever. Go uh, for it. Woo-woo. But I think when it's all said and done, really, when, you, when we said everything we had to say, at the end of the day, what's the only thing left to say is, 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 is I love you. You know, to, to my wife, to my kids, to my family, to, to people that I've interacted with. So... I mean, I think the ultimate truth is, is love. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I, that's, yeah, that, that would be it. Mm. like that. Um, before, before I ask you my final question, I just want to take some time to acknowledge you, Dory, because um, you've been modeling leadership in a, in a beautiful way um, in front of the classroom and, and also out. And, and one thing I really appreciate about you is that from what I, what I feel is that what you see is what you get. And mm. there's this authenticity and there's this depth and there's this power and there's humor. And I love the fact that you're shaping new leaders around the world because I know you do work all around the world and you go and train organizations and leaders um, to really step up and, and do great work. So I really want to thank you for that. And, um, and I hope you know that you're appreciated. Thank you, Mark. It, it means a lot to me. And, uh, Having people like yourself in the world, uh, young, strong, vibrant, going for it, 
you know, the heart in the right place and, and, and the head is in the right place, uh, it gives me hope and inspiration for future. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best not to disappoint you in that way then. Um, and fi- final question, which is probably the most in question of the whole um, conversation. Hope you're ready. Okay. Who do you think is going to win the World Cup? Oh, well, not England, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I would have to say I have a... Even though I have family in Australia, so I hope they well, maybe they'll hear this and they might be upset with me. But you know, gosh, I, I love those old blacks. You know, <laughs> if you ever want to get inspired and you know, kind of feel energy, just kind of log on YouTube and watch the haka. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think everyone should develop their own personal haka. Whatever, exactly. Whatever that looks like. Dory, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, and I'll be putting all the show notes below the, the conversation. Where can people find you? Um, I'm working on my uh, website now, but they, they can go to the Coaches Training Institute and, and log on the, the, the leadership program. And, and there's information about me um, or they can reach me through you. Fantastic! Absolutely. Are you on social media? Is there any like are you on Facebook or Twitter? Is there anything out there that that yes, people can Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, the whole shebang? Yeah. Okay. I'm, so I'm a little behind on on the whole kind of social media. <laughs> school that way. It's all right. Just send me whatever you've got. I'll put them in the show notes. Always okay. been a pleasure. Thank you for uh, for sharing your story. Um, and I really look forward to seeing you in uh, December. Yeah. Same here. And thank you. And and God bless. And good good luck to you. There you have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. I've had the pleasure and honor of meeting and getting to know Dory over the course of a 10-month-long CTI leadership program in Sitges, Barcelona. Special shout-out to all my Bluebird drives if you're listening to this. I've got to say, seeing Dory in action as one of the two front-room leaders during the program inspired me to explore further the correlation between masculinity and vulnerability. For he is a true representation of both. I hope you'll get to one day see him in action. I loved how Dory, by at the time we recorded this podcast, was a few weeks in within the Rugby World Cup, had predicted who would win. But then again, the All Blacks are absolute machines. You can find out more about Dory's work by going online and connecting with him via LinkedIn. The link to Dory's LinkedIn page is available in the show notes over at www.markderoos.com forward slash 10. As always, I'd love to hear what you took from today's episode. So please send me a tweet over at at MarkLaRoost.com. And you can also quote your favorite moment of the show by using the hashtag TheUnconventionist. I'm super excited to let you know that in the next episode, you'll hear our very first ladykind guest. That's right, Rebecca Tracy from The Uncaged Life kindly accepted to come on the show. I really look forward to interviewing more inspiring women over the coming weeks. So do get in touch with me if you know someone who would be amazing for me to connect with. You can do that by sending me a message on Facebook or sending me a tweet. Don't forget to go to over to iTunes and subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and if you're on SoundCloud, you can find me there too. Until next time, it's time to take action. <laughs>